in my, in my word to the church two years ago. It's the same word right now because we're about to get on another journey. Amen. We've been, we've been kind, of in, uh, kind of on that mountain peak trying to figure out where to go for two years. COVID's been just locking us down. But here's what you need to understand. Everything you've been taught so far about doing church, everything you've been taught up to this point, everything that got you to where we are is not going to get us to where we're going. We've got to unlearn some things. We've got to learn some new things. We got to figure out the right people and the right move of the Spirit and what God is up to. Because it doesn't matter what our little plans are, we need to figure out what His plans are. But the Word is still the same. We got to get out of Babylon. It's just how are we really going to do it? And we gave just real quick, I won't preach because this was like five sermons right here, but there were five words there from Nehemiah, and that was joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Gather that there needs to be an ingath and fruitful and together and harvest. Amen. I think I got that on the screen. If you want to throw it up there and you can remember, put it in your notes. Joy, gather, fruitful, together, and harvest. Last week, I kind of messed some people up because we said that in a lot of churches, they've been bringing idols in. Idols that we didn't think were idols. And the idols they brought in, we went to Chronicles and we looked at the Zadok priesthood. And there we said that the idol they brought in is that they serve people above serving God. And they called it idolatry. Whenever your whole ministry is just focused on how many can we get in here, that's idolatry. So how many pastors are guilty of that? Let's just find ways to attract people. When Jesus said, I'm not about attracting people, I'm about multiplying people. I'm all about multiplying, and I still got, I, oh, good, I still got my little thing here. And we talked about this, and, and you know, they call them funnel events. And that, listen, there's nothing wrong with crowds, and I'm not against that, but, but what, what, what the world is doing today is let, let's shove as many people into this thing as we can get, and a few of them will come out discipled. Jesus turned it around. And said, give me, not a crowd, give me 12 men. And I'll put them in the funnel. And by the time I'm done with them, those 12 men, 300 years later, completely Christianized the Roman Empire. Multiplication when you disciple people. Addition when you please people. So what? Uh, what is it? We, listen, we the Zadok priesthood kind of got cut in two, or I don't know what the percentages were, but some of them that 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 only cared about making people happy. He said, "Okay, from now on, that's your ministry." 
You go guard the doors, feed the people, uh, uh, trim the, you know, just, you know, that's your job. But the other priests, your job is to minister to the Lord. God said some of the priests, their job is to minister unto me. Did you know God requires that we minister to him? We say, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. I magnify you. That's ministering unto the Lord. It's making a tent, a place for his presence. Isn't it interesting? On the day he was born, he couldn't find a place to even be born. And he's still struggling with finding a place. He can't find a place in his own church. There's, there, there's, there, there's an old country song. Their guy said, I, 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 went, I went to the master's, I went to the house, but the master was gone. Where's the master of the house? We got a lot of buildings, some of them packed full of people and no presence. Our model here, and I don't have time to teach all this, but our model is three T's. The tent first. First, we need to establish a tent. And I don't care if we're talking about in here or at home or at work or in your car or on a walk through the woods. You need to always make a tent. What's the tent? The tent is the place of his presence. We make that tent. And then as we make the tent, we gather around the table. That's called discipleship. And that's, that's almost a dirty word anymore. You can't, oh, we don't want to talk about discipleship. We, oh, let's not talk about Sunday school. That's old-fashioned. I mean, after all, I don't need to be taught anymore. I mean, I, I'm, I'm okay. I, I know enough. Oh, you, you may think you know enough, but you don't look like you know enough. And we think you need to learn a little more. And then the final T is turf. We go from the tent to the table to the world, to the turf, where, where our feet meet the ground, and we begin to win the lost for Jesus. Listen. We've spent the last two years getting this, making this transition, seeking God for the model, and I think we have the model, now we just need the men, the women. Because you can have the organization, the structure, the vision, the money, the facilities, you can have it all that, but God doesn't use that. He uses people first. We need people that aren't just pew sitters, but actually disciples. Like I, like I said last week, Jesus spent, you know, what, three, three years of ministry, and he spent half of that with, you know, if you only had three years to minister, would you spend half of it with 12 guys? And let's face it, some of them were Trouble. 
Come on, sons of thunder. Would you spend it with 12 guys? I only got three years. I need to fill this building up. I need to get on Facebook, and I need 3,000 friends, and we need to get on TV. I need a jet so I can get to other countries. <laughs> no, you just need 12 men. And they said they started calling them Christians because they acted like Christ. And they, and they said those Christians, you know, the ones that are turning the world upside down. Twelve men. Twelve men. God is looking for a few good men. Now that's, you know, you know where I got that from. That's the Marine Corps. Oh, the Navy, the Navy had, had their slogan. It's not a job, it's an adventure. Can you imagine how many times we laughed at that the six years I was in the Navy? Swabbing the deck. It's an adventure. No, the Marines had a better thought. We need a few good men. Listen, you can have hundreds apply for the job, like the Green Beret, but only 15%, 20% make it in. They don't take just anybody. I know what you're saying. Well, it's whosoever will. Yeah, that's salvation. I'm talking about the mission. The great commission that we're all supposed to be a part of. Even Jesus said many are called, but few are chosen because the rest are frozen. Oh, Jesus didn't say that. I, I'm sorry. Matthew 22, 14. <laughs> but that's probably why they weren't chosen. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. I better get some word in here. Chapter 8, verse 14, oh, that's little. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the... So then, you know, I know if we're saved, we're technically a son of God. But in reality, it's those that are led by the Spirit that are the true sons of God. I know sometimes we're oh, oh, God's my daddy. You're so cute. We're not just talking about, when we talk about the sons of God, that's different from, I'm, I'm a child of the king. Well, that's, that's cute. We're not just, you remember when, when Jesus, Jesus said, I'm the son of God. And he also said, I am the son of David. And I always wondered what the Jews thought that meant. I mean, he didn't say, I'm God. He said, in the flesh, I am the son of God. And we all, we all looking back at it, we say, well, that just means he was born, you know, of Mary in flesh. No. The Jews did not understand that right. When you were a son of God, small g, that meant you were the king's right-hand man. 
to have the title a son of God meant, meant that you were in the top two or three people in the administration. You had the ear of the king. You had the eye of the king. You, had, you knew the will of the king. You did the will of the king. You had the power of the king. You had the authority of the king. When you spoke, you spoke as if the king spoke. That made you a son. When Jesus said, I'm a son of God, he meant he's part of the Trinity. And when he calls us sons of God, it means that we walk in the authority of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. We're not just, oh, I'm his daughter. No, no, no. It's I'm, 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 I'm part of the kingdom authority. Even the Greek word church, ecclesia, that, that was not that word existed in the Greek language, but remember there was no such thing as a church. So why did Jesus take that Greek word, which did not mean church, it meant an assembly. It meant an assembly in a Greek city. Remember, they had some form of democracy. But anyway, in a Greek city, there was a governing body over the city, and that was called the ecclesia. Oh, yeah. Come on. As the snow froze your brain, where were you at here? When he called us, the ecclesia, what it's saying is that the church is the ruling body on the planet, that we have authority over this world. It's not the mayor and the city council. Amen. It's the church praying, interceding, fasting, and breaking through in the kingdom and the power of the kingdom of God. Ah, praise God. We're the ecclesia. We are the church. Ah, we are the sons of God if we are led by the Spirit of God. Verse 17, let's go. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him. Lord, take this suffering away. That we may also be glorified together. Verse 18. Are you still with me? For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be cared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I'm not worried about the suffering because it's leading to the glory. I'm suffering because I'm obeying God and following him and that's going to lead to the glory. No wonder the church in China and Iran's growing by leaps and bounds. They're suffering, but it's leading to glory. First John chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Woo. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Behold, now are we the sons of God. Now, 
and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope in him purifies. Come on, Zadok priest. Purifies himself, even as he is pure. There's a couple levels to this scripture, because listen, it's not just talking about the end of time uh, at the rapture or judgment seat, but listen, he says, now, say now. Now we are the sons of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear. But listen, isn't he showing up in the church? Isn't he showing up now? I know the scripture is is ultimately talking about the end, but isn't it also talking about right now? When Jesus shows up, then we are like him. We behold him as in a mirror, and as we behold him, we become like him. How many believe he's coming soon? 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Right? I just we, we, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image, say today, as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Wow. You remember in the book of Genesis, God said, I can't, I didn't send the rain because I didn't have a man. He needs, by design, he needs a man. He won't move till you step up, son of God. We have to stop praying for things we have no intention of taking care of. Don't ask for souls. If you think, well, pastor will just take care of that. Don't ask for your family to be saved if you're not going to love them. Oh, but pastor, you don't know about uncle. I don't care about uncle. In many cases, I knew you before you were saved. We took you in. Don't ask God for that blessing, a financial blessing, when you have no intention of tithing it. Don't ask God, oh, heal my body, and you're still going to live in rebellion. I know some of you think this would have been a good morning for many reasons to stay home. Jesus, help us. Esther came to the kingdom for such a time as this. And you know what, more, what, what, what he said to Esther? Esther, 
Do it or don't do it. But know this, if you don't do it, God will raise someone up who will. God's going to get it done. The question is, is he going to get it done through you? Are you going to obey God? Amen? Because he's going to get it done. Amen? And I don't know about you, but if you don't want the blessing, I'm next in line. If you don't want your blessing, I'm right behind you, brother. Amen. I'm right behind you, sister. I want all. Amen. It may cost me. It may. I may have to suffer a little bit. That's okay. I'll live with the suffering for the increase in glory. Gideon had had thousands to face the tens of thousands, and God said, "You got too many." Listen, you know what I got to figure out? You know what I got to get get in my head? I don't, God doesn't need a crowd to get a job done. He just needs a few good men. He said, give me 300 men that won't bow down to idols and will conquer the world. Amen. He kept trimming it down, trimming it down until he only had 300 left. How did he pick the 300? He watched them drink. And the ones that took their armor off, let's take it easy here. Let me get down here. There's no place to sit. All right. Ah, Ah, that's good. Pour it on my head. Ah. Yeah, my lunch break. I got another 45 minutes. I'm fine. Now, you're out. If your main concern is your comfort, you'll never realize your calling. You'll never get to the battle. You'll never win the victory. He said, but who, who does go? I'll tell you who goes. The guy who left his helmet on and left his belt and sword on and kept his armor on. And he, walked, he went down to the river. And while, while he's putting one hand in there, he... Let me just take what I got to have here because the Lord will take care of the rest of this. And he found, he found 300 men uh, that, that weren't concerned about their comfort. They weren't concerned about, what about, my, what about being hungry next hour? They weren't worried about They just said, my hand's in the Lord. My only thought is, I'm in the battle, and I'm going to win this thing for the king. Amen. Woo! Somebody praise him. Driving through that snow, it's kicking in. Thank you, Jesus. The idolatrous priests, they're out there just taking care of the people, which is someone's got to do it. But this church, we're going to minister to people, sure, after we come out of the tent. Once we bathe in the glory, once we get our sip of Jesus, we're ready to go. We're going to learn how to canoe in the mountains. 
We're going to learn to go where no man has gone before. Whew, come on, Star Trek. Amen. I think a lot of churches today are more about game day than the Lord's day. Someone said, someone said there's a difference between college coaches and professional coaches. College coaches are all about developing people, finding hidden talent, taking nothing and making it into something. That's what they do. Between freshman and senior year, those men go through an amazing transformation to get them ready, right? But the NFL coach, he's not looking for people that are undeveloped. <laughs> They get to the draft, they're looking for superstars. We've got too many pastors sitting around praying, oh, God, send me a Sunday school teacher. Lord, send me a good elder. <laughs> Lord, send me a good day. And they're, they're praying for that superstar that they can steal from someone else's church. Instead of developing the people God gave them right under... I appreciate it when the superstar comes to Journey Life Center. That's okay. We put them right to work. We don't waste any time. But I'm here to tell you, we need to celebrate the one who's never played football a day in his life, but we see hidden talent. We see something in them that they, we see greatness in them, and we're going to put them, amen, we're going to train them, we're going to disciple them, and sooner or later, we're going to put them out in the field. Hallelujah. Till some other pastor steals them. They do go out sometimes. There's like, there's like, there's over, there's like 13 people in ministry right now all over the United States. But they, quit getting ahead of me. But they were sent. You see how the effect just died right there? It's just. You just got ahead of me. Got ahead of me. And number one son is Kyle. <laughs> and also, we've started over the years, seven churches have started out of this church in this area. God is good. That's okay. But this is not about game day. We're not trying, we're not trying to put on a show so we can sell enough tickets. To keep the doors open. This is not game day. This is the Lord's day. Uh, it's not about pleasing you. It's about pleasing him. This is not a nursery where we just feed them, clean them, and keep them from whining. Right? It's not a zoo. Where we just keep them safe. Well, that's the thing now. We got to be safe. You know, there's worse things in life than being safe. If all you care about is keeping your kids safe, they'll never grow up to be who they need to be. Oh, I want to preach here. But if you <laughs> I don't know the way I was raised. 
you know, it's, it's how much risk are you willing to put up with? And I think the risk level is a broken arm or leg, okay. <laughs> you can always get another tooth. You know, that's, you don't want to kill the kid. You don't want a brain injury. You don't want them to break their back. But that's, you know, I was raised like, okay, the risk level, okay, we're willing to go this high. <laughs> I remember being unsupervised my entire childhood. And church, as leaders, we need to be willing to take some risks with people. And it's not just about always protecting people. Sometimes they just need to face that devil and learn how to kick posterior is the word I'm looking for. How many are still here? Glory to God. Amen. (laughs) Jesus. We're not a zoo where we keep them comfortable, contained, fed, watched. You know, the problem is it's a nice little thing, and we can have people come to the church and say, Oh, look, every chair is full. And all the animals are just... (laughs) The problem with that, the animals might be happy, but they're not free. And he came to set us free. He told Adam, I don't want you taming the animals. I want you naming the animals. I want you to spot and identify their destiny and set them free. Hallelujah. It's risky, but we're willing to do it. Amen. It's risky to let a few lions roam around, but we're willing. We're willing. Come on, come on, church. We need disciples. Isn't it weird if people would brag on how many kids they made? Oh, I made five kids. What? Well, I made seven kids. See how weird that is? How many souls did you save? Well, let me tell you, I fostered 12 children. Ha! Doesn't it make more sense to brag on how well your kids are adjusted and how well they're doing in life and how they're blessing and touching other lives and they're all serving Jesus Christ? Oh, come on, church. Doesn't it make more sense? Didn't Jesus say, go make disciples? Not go raise a bunch of babies. I know they have to be born first. They have to be saved. But the goal is discipleship. When they couldn't catch fish, Jesus said, go out, launch out into the the deep. Why? You can catch fish in shallow water, right? But there weren't any. And we're entering a season, church, where churches that are shallow are going to catch nothing. And they need to hear the word of the Lord that we're starting to hear a journey. It's time to go into the deep unless we are disciples into the deep things of God. We will never, never birth another generation of believers. Give God praise if you agree with that. Oh, Lord, help us. 
One man said, too many churches are washing clothes in dirty water. Washing clothes in dirty water. You'll just never get it done. Never get it done. We need to draw the lessons from the early church and all clothes. Think about this. For 300 years, they had no church building. For the first 300 years, if you were a sinner, you couldn't go to church. All of their meetings were in homes, and they were private. Only believers could come to church. Can you imagine if we decided to... A whole new job for deacons. Stand out there and say, you can't come in here. Are you saved? But not just saved. Because once they get saved, they still can't come to church. They have to be discipled for usually a whole year. And you know what their curriculum was? The Sermon on the Mount. They would do the teachings of Jesus. And they said, after a year, if you look and act like Jesus... Then we'll let you come to church. He said, well, how did people win souls? How did they have altar calls? They didn't. There's no altar calls. You know how people got saved back then? Wow. They heard there was something going on in the secret meetings. They saw the people coming out. They knew who the Christians were and who they weren't. And they knew when they went in these secret meetings that they ate together, sang songs together. Not just one preacher, but several preaching. That they all testified about miracles, signs, and wonders. Wow. And they supported each other. Listen, there were thousands of gods in the Roman Empire, all kinds of religions, but there was only one that changed people's lives. And they saw the unity, and they saw the love. Back then, if you didn't have money, and most people didn't, when you died, if you were lucky, somebody found your body, put it in a cart, carted you out to the, to, to the outside the city where they had a little valley there, and they just dumped your body. That was it. There's no funeral. You can't, you, don't, you can't afford it. Only rich people had funerals. Guess what? The church started going through the streets, finding bodies honoring the dead and burying them and families started getting saved because somebody cared about their loved ones more than they even did somebody spent the money to bury some poor little peasant person come on church and and their parents would die in the plague and i'm not talking about covid i'm talking about real plagues they would die of the plague and guess what six years old for seven years old they're just wandering the streets begging The church people came along and said, come on here. And they took these orphans in and raised them in Christian homes. Husbands would die, leaving a widow with no income and no source of income and no hope. She's about to die. Guess who came along? 
The church took in the widows. The church took in the orphans. The church took in the dead. The church took in the prisoners. They were the only ones going to the jail. Nursing their wounds in a plague-infested jail. <laughs> Just going in faith. They didn't even have a mask. <laughs> no, I had to. No, I they went in where no one else would go, and they loved even the dead and the young and the old, whoever they were. And people saw it, and they said, there's something different about Christians, and I want to be one. No wonder we're not winning the loss. Who'd want to be some of us? Oh, you got quiet on me now. He said, oh, the world is so different. Yeah, that's why we need to act like Jesus more than we've ever acted like Jesus. He's looking for a few good men. Oh, my God, I feel him in this house. Stand to your feet, praise God. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. Oh. In Romans chapter 8, it says <laughs> that the whole creation is waiting. Catch this. If you can find it, you throw it up there. But listen, the whole creation, what are they waiting? What's creation waiting for? What's the world waiting for? Here's what it says in Romans 8 it's waiting for. For the manifestation, say manifestation. It's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. The church is, I mean, the world is waiting for the church to manifest the glory that God puts in the church. But if there's no glory in the church, there's nothing to manifest but our own flesh. Anybody feel God in this house? We're not a nursery. We're not a zoo. We're not an NFL football game here to please the people in the stands. We're not here to sell tickets. We're not here to raise money. We are here to make a place for the glory of God to reside. It should be the main goal in our life. God is looking for a few good men, and many are called, but just a few are chosen. Just a few. You know what my prayer is, God? Choose everyone in this church. 200 families. Let them all, let them all be not just on their way to heaven, but let them all be disciples. I pray that they'll all look like Jesus. I pray that sinners will see something different in their lives, especially as the world gets darker. Let the church become brighter. We know there's a great falling away as you trim away dead branches in these last days. 
but you trim the dead branches so that the branches that bear fruit will have the connection, the life, the Holy Ghost juice from the, from the vine, from the root. Jesus. And we could begin to bear fruit that our tree not be chopped down. I pray that you'll do that in Jesus' name. Who's ready to be manifested? Have you ever thought of yourself that way? Are you ready to be manifested? God is looking for a few good men. He's looking for a Moses to lead some people out of bondage. He's looking for a Noah to build some safe houses for people under attack in this world. He's looking for a David to raise tents of worship. He's looking for a John the Baptist to preach the word in the wilderness. He's looking for an Elijah to confront Jezebel. He's looking, looking for worshipers. He's seeking for worshipers to be disciples of the Most High God. So, Father, there's not a thing I could do to make this happen. There has to be a hunger in their hearts. There has to be a desire to fulfill the Great Commission. It is not the Great Suggestion. It is the Great Commission. It is a commandment to make disciples teaching them what you taught us oh my god i feel your love your grace is upon us i don't know what this looks like church but i'm telling you god is getting ready to manifest you <laughs> 